Do you ever wonder, why do I always seem to give so much more than I get? All I want is to be appreciated and loved. Is that asking too much? Why do all the jerks get the hot girls while I get stuck in the friend zone? When will it ever be my turn? If this sounds like you, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Nice Guy Show. This is the podcast that asks the question, how do I break free from the nice guy syndrome so I never have to come in last again? Now here are your hosts, Faisal Coker and Chuck Chapman. Welcome to the Nice Guy Show. My name is Chuck Chapman. I'm here with my co-host, Art Graff, who is a clinical psychologist. I am a certified uh, licensed therapist. And our other co-host, you might recognize if you're not, if you've, if you've watched us regularly, isn't here today. Faisal Kokar. Faisal's out having the time of his life. Um, we've been seeing all kinds of photos and stuff of this guy's like driving yachts and, you know, wearing his little captain's hat and stuff. I mean, he's been having a great time. So hopefully, uh, he'll post some of those photos at the nice guy show.com for you guys to take a look at. Today, we want to talk about a topic that I think everybody, every nice guy I've ever met has dealt with, myself included, which is the topic of neediness. You know, neediness is that cringy thing that, you know, you just know it when somebody's needy, don't you? And I think neediness is something that maybe needs to be killed. What do you think, Ari? Should we kill it? Or I, I'm ready to kill it. I've, I've kill been it. ready to kill it my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> please, please take me out of my misery. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what is it about the nice guy and neediness, do you think, that makes us in that sort of cringy kind of category when it comes to love and women and sex? Well, nice guys bury their feelings. Yeah. And they're, they're scared of their feelings. So I think that's a big part of it. And we don't want to ask for what we need. Um, we don't necessarily even know what, what we need. We just feel needy. It, it's, it, it could just feel needy without much articulation of what the hell that is. So like, I think it's a great point. What, what's your definition of neediness? Yeah, well, I think that's a great point is that oftentimes, you know, uh, you know, when working with a guy, one of the things I'll ask him up front is like, what do you want? You know, and they generally look at me like, you know, a deer in headlights of like, I, I don't know what I want, you know, and I think the idea of wants and needs are very similar. So if you don't actually know what you want or what you need, you just have this empty hole in you that you're trying to trying to fill and it comes off as being needy. Uh, my definition of neediness is, um, well, before, let me explain where I think that all human behavior is, you know, normal human behavior. It's that when a behavior becomes hypersensitive or hyperactive, that it becomes a problem. You know, so we've all felt depressed. We've all felt anxious. We've all felt even paranoid. Oh, I wonder if those people are talking about me, you know, but it's when it becomes hyper aware or hyperactive in our world. And that's what we focus on, that that's when it becomes a problem. 
And so I think neediness is actually taking something that is, you know, normal, having a need and making it hyperactive, you know, that I need other people to validate me, mm-hmm. you know, so it's kind of walking around almost like you're, you know, a, an electrical appliance looking for a place, to, you know, somebody to plug you in. It's like, or that was that doctor? I think it's Dr. Seuss. You know, are you my mama? <laughs> kind of thing, like walking around. Or, are you my mom? Are you, are you my girlfriend? Are you my girlfriend? Will you be my That's girlfriend? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it goes to like a, like a dump truck or a tractor. Yeah. Are you my mom? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of why I see neediness is just a, this hyper sense of taking our need, even and when we don't know what our need is, especially then it's just like, okay, are you, are you going to, are you going to fill me? Are you going to fill me? Are you going to fill me? Yeah. What's I, I, my definition? Yeah. That needs are normal, whether it's for hunger, attention, affection, yeah. sex, um, I think neediness is normal. It's it's the excessiveness of it. You know, I think everybody feels needy sometimes where they just they want a little extra something now. It's just it's the excessiveness of it. Is it is it something where you're staying in that state for long periods, like hours or sure. days? Um yeah. you know, like I think, you know, people want to connect like over the phone. I mean, at least back when people talked on the phone, (laughs) like I I was thinking of an example of mine from college, which is uh, that may be the, the height of my neediness, my neediness peak, if you will. Um, I, uh, my best friends, they didn't go to the same college. They're twins. Mm -hmm. We've been best friends our, our whole lives. And, I felt so needy and lonely and anxious and I, I didn't have that many friends my freshman year. And I, we ended up, they would call me one of them. They'd take turns each night. They would call me and we'd talk for like an hour and it was a good conversation, but it, it was also, there was an understanding that like Ari, Ari needs to talk to someone and you know, t- talk about how difficult things are. And like, you know, we love each other as friends. We we're still best friends, but like they were, they were like fulfilling my neediness. And in retrospect, I wish I had more tools and I, I'm grateful to them that they would want to do that. But I think, um, you know, th- that's an example of, of peak neediness for me. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you well, have any examples? Well, I'm just going to say, I think that that's a great point in that where neediness, I think, shows up is in the need for, like, we all have human needs, right? And I think our number one uh, emotional need is the need for connection. You know, when we're not connecting with somebody, then we're feeling lonely. And when you feel lonely, and, you know, it's sort of like, you know, if you haven't had anything to eat for three or four days, you're going to be famished. You're going to be super hungry. So when there's, you know, food put in front of you, you're going to eat in a way of like, you know, gorging yourself because you're so empty. And, and so I think that human need for connection, um, and relationship with others 
can be part of that neediness, you know? And, and so the point is like with your story, it's like, okay, I need to find other resources for connection besides just these two guys, you know, if I'm going to, otherwise I'm going to become dependent on these guys. And I think that's what neediness in general is, is it becomes, it's a dependency on somebody else to fill that need of loneliness, you know? Um, I think my example, I was just going to say, yeah, it's I'm not okay without somebody meeting that feeling or, or, or right. Fix, fixing that feeling. Right. And then I think it's a, you make the other person responsible for filling that. Like you should just bring me my food on a regular basis. I shouldn't have to go out and get anything to eat. Right. And when you stop bringing my food, then I'm like, Hey, where's my food? You know? Um, and I start being, you know, kind of demanding or passive aggressive and yeah, I think that I can, I can definitely relate to that. I, I'm thinking that when like looking back on my, you know, my first marriage and early relationships, I really needed somebody to validate me you know, this feeling that all nice guys have, I'm unlovable and acceptable just the way that I am. So if you tell me I'm lovable and acceptable and I've, I've not heard that, or I don't believe that it's like, Oh, that felt so good for a moment. And then it went away, you know? So I need you to tell me again, you know, the classic covert contract of telling someone you love them, not because you love them, but because you want to hear, I love you back. You know, you're trying to get something from the other person that's what neediness is. I'm not trying to give you something. I'm trying to get something from you. So, yeah. And I think there's all kinds of small examples. I can't think of, you know, all of them, but I know there's all kinds of small examples of just wanting validation from the others, from other people so that I wouldn't feel bad about myself. So you were, you were mentioning one earlier with your ex, yeah, yeah, yeah. When we were when we weren't recording, I was telling Ari this story of this is probably so my my wife uh left me and it was pretty sudden. Very sudden. Um and what I didn't know was she was planning this and one of the things that she was doing to plan this was she had rented an apartment and even furnished the apartment um without me knowing. And then when she left, uh like it was just like a couple days later after she left, um, you know, I had obviously gone over to her, her apartment because we share a daughter and, you know, wanted to make sure it was safe and all that kind of stuff. And I noticed that they didn't have a, uh, you know, in their little eating area, a table and chairs. <clears throat> and so uh, I was at a thrift store and there was a table and chair set there that was like the right size. And so I bought it for them and brought it over to uh to her apartment but before i brought it over I actually reupholstered the chairs <laughs> you know like <laughs> like i i was like i got to i got to make this thing look great and i was ju- i remember justifying it in my head be like well i i want my daughter to have a place to eat you know and, and maybe there's some truth in that but i think the deeper truth was my my resource for telling me that I'm good was gone. And I just wanted her to like, 
you know, be appreciative. Um, I would, it was not a gift out of the purity of my heart. <laughs> Let's just say yeah. that it, it, I was looking for something in return and that was some kind of validation, some kind of like, you know, grateful, even to the point of like, Oh my God, what did I do? This guy's so amazing. Why, why did I leave him? You know, uh, it's a very like sweet that. gesture and heartbreaking to hear and, and kind of sad. It's sad. It is sad. But it's, yeah, it's a sweet gesture, but it wasn't coming from a place of purity. <laughs> you know, I wasn't doing it to be sweet. I was doing it to get something. And I think that's the difference between, you know, uh, giving, you know, it's the giving to get. I want something in return. What about you? You have any stories of your neediness? Oh, sure. Um, I mean, when I was starting out as a psychologist uh, and dealing with my own clients, um, you, you know, if a client seemed unhappy with me, mm. um, even over email or wasn't paying me on time, you know, and then I'm worried about paying my bills, I'm worrying about my competence, like that's how kind of insecure and fragile I was. I mean, this is about 15 years ago now, but that's how I entered my marriage is kind of in, in this state of, of really being unsure of myself. Um, even after I'd gone and become a psychologist, who's, you know, if you're a psychologist, you're supposed to have everything figured out. Right. Um, and here she was, she's not a psychologist. She's just finishing up college and she's got mm. to uh, manage my emotions, you know, my insecurity. So yeah. I, I was very needy. I was wanting her to talk through all of these situations with clients, with me, um, wanting her to reassure me that things are going to be okay, that I am competent, um, mm -hmm. you know, and that's the kind of thing that works briefly but it doesn't provide any sustained kind of feeling of comfort or confidence, which I think mm -hmm. is another aspect of the neediness issue is that if you are struggling with neediness, then when someone meets that need, you're, you're probably not going to internalize it or really let it sustain you. Mm -hmm. you know, so I, I, I think that's part of what neediness is a signal about is that I need to work on, on the ways that I actually take in things from other people, or I need to, I need to understand how I can give to myself and feed myself that, you know, neediness is really a signal. Okay. I, I need to course correct probably, or I need to develop something in myself. So. That's something that took me a while to, to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. The neediness is the junk food of the ego. <laughs> you know, it like doesn't sustain. It just, you just, you know, you, you, it's like, oh, it tastes really good. Uh, you know, but then, <laughs> then I'm I don't. I'm a t-shirt. Can we make a t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> neediness is the junk food of the ego. It's, it's, it's. The Doritos of the ego. <laughs> the Doritos of the ego. Doritos of the ego. Hmm. Okay. But we digress. <laughs> that was actually making me think of another 
example of peak neediness in college, I, I, uh, I would eat either a medium pizza or like a large burrito at midnight every night. So this was, this was like my midnight meal. This was after mm. having a Mountain Dew and a couple of candy bars. So, <laughs> every night. Every night. Every, every night. night. Without, without, <laughs> I didn't fail at that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but that, that I can recognize now, you know, this, this is a way that I, I, I've been eating to meet, uh, emotional needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a great way that it shows up, isn't it? You know, that, that, that hunger, right. Of uh, just that wanting to feel taken care of, nurtured, comforted, you know, um, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What what are you, what are your go-tos? Are you an emotional eater? Or are you I am I yeah, I am an emotional eater. Uh you know, I think for a really long time alcohol was my you know, my drug of choice. You know, as you were saying that I was like, well, when I was in college at midnight I was drinking a six pack, you know. <laughs> but uh you know, I've been sober now for 13 years, so that's no longer the thing that I that I go to. But the thing um, I think I often go to is I get in my head. You know, I start thinking about all of the things that are going wrong or what I'm not getting, and you know, I I think I can actually become addicted to the feeling of like you know a pity party. And hmm. that's, that's a sign that I'm not actually nurturing my own, my own needs, uh, because I just, you know, I'm thinking about all of the things that aren't going well and, you know, all of that. Um, but food also, food is probably the, the one that now that I struggle with the most in terms of, uh, you know, uh, you, you know, that feeling when you're not even hungry, but you are looking for something to eat just because you want to feel that pleasure of the food. Yeah. I love chocolate. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of a chocolate bitch. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're learning new things about me all the time. You're right. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, I mean, what's your go-to with food? Uh, I mean, my, my, my drug of choice with food is always pizza, always hands down going to be pizza. I'm more of a savory, although I love the sweets, you know, I'm more of a savory kind of, I'm typically drawn to more of the savory pizzas, tacos, stuff, the saltiness, you know, uh -huh. pepperoni, you know, that kind of fatty, salty stuff. Um, ooh, ooh, yeah, wow. there's a... <laughs> If there's a slice of pizza in a chocolate sundae, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat the pizza, you know. But and then I'm gonna eat the sundae. But <laughs> right, yeah. So what do we do about this, Ari? What do we do about how do we how do we change this? How do what we have you done? It? How do we kill it? What have you done? Well, I think you know for the longest time I was trying to just get rid of the neediness through other people kind of like what we've been talking about through through dependency um mm -hmm. what one of the key things that shifted for me was uh discovering mindfulness meditation which mm -hmm. for anybody who, who doesn't practice I, I thought it was the most boring thing one could ever do is to try to sit still and not think about anything 
but that isn't really what mindfulness is about. Part, part of what mindfulness is about, it's about being present with yourself. It's doing it non-judgmentally. So it's teaching you how to be with yourself as you are, mm. including whatever feelings are there. So if, if you're feeling needy, it's teaching you, oh, I can actually just be present with this, even for a few seconds. Uh, but a few seconds is something that can grow. It's teaching you a different relationship to your feelings. So that is why I think it is a key thing to have in your repertoire for, for neediness is to just be able to sit with your own feelings, your own experience, realize you aren't going to die just because you felt that way. And that in turn is a confidence building thing. Oh, I could just sit with that for a few seconds or a few minutes. Oh, I actually don't feel as bad as I did a few minutes ago. Oh, maybe this isn't all that I thought it was. So that is that is one of the key things for me. Uh, journaling too, it's another way to observe myself. It's another way to tend to my thoughts and feelings and then pr practicing different types of journaling, like ar around gratitude, around letting go. You know, these are ways that I change my emotional state and even my physical state. So that can transform neediness. So, so those are some of the, the major practices that I use. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I love those. And uh, mindfulness is a great one. Um, I think uh, neediness, like you said at the beginning, comes from uh, a lot of times having a low self-esteem or a low self-worth. And that one of the ways that we build our own self-esteem is by doing esteemable acts. You know, the way that we do esteemable acts is things that are good for us and good for others. Competence and confidence go hand in hand. If I'm not competent at something, I won't have confidence at it. So if there's something that is missing, it's my responsibility to go fill that need. So I might have, um, let's say for example, uh, you know, put me in a situation where, you know, I have to do accounting. Well, I'm not going to have a lot of confidence about that. That's just not something that I'm very confident about because I'm not competent about it. You know, mm -hmm. but if I were to take a bunch of classes and really study it and gain some competence in it, then my confidence would also go up. So I could never, when, I could never get good at accounting. I'm I can't, yeah, I don't think I can. Either. That's why I hire somebody. Right. But, uh, but this, the similarly is, is that I, I forget which rule it is. I shouldn't know this because, you know, I wrote the no more Mr. Nice guy, 30 day recovery journal available on Amazon for $12.99 shameless plug. Um, that, uh, I think it's like rule four or five in there. Can you know, somebody look it up and, and comment in the, in the comment section. Uh, you're the only person on the planet responsible for your needs, wants, and happiness. And I remember reading that for the first time and thinking, oh my gosh, like what a true gem of once I start to understand that I'm the only person on the planet responsible to meet my needs, then I stop looking outside of myself. Now, it doesn't mean that other people can't help me, right? But if I'm looking for other people to meet my need all of the time and then they let me down, 
then what that's going to do is it's going to hit that old wound of, you know, I'm not okay. I'm not lovable and acceptable just the way that I am. But if I become responsible for meeting my own needs, then, um, then I can nurture myself. You know, we've been talking a lot lately about the masculine feminine polarity and uh, the idea of, um, you know, nurturing your feminine, your internal feminine, you know, and I think your inner bitch, your inner bitch, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Nurture the bitch, uh, that internal part of you that, you know, needs nurturing. It's like, like you were saying with your example of your friends at college, like I needed to feel nurtured. I needed to feel connected. I needed to feel those are all normal, natural needs. When I can't become responsible for that, then I say, okay, now I'm going to go out and I'm going to meet new people. I'm going to start meeting other people um, and, you know, building a network or friendship of the people that are closer in my neighborhood or whatever, so that I can meet my own need. And I think that's the number way, one way I've found anyway, is to kill my neediness, so to speak, is to understand that if I have a need, it's my responsibility to go out and meet that need. I think, yeah, you hit, you hit it right on the head. Th- this is the neediness killer. If there is one is this crucial shift in mindset to other people are responsible for meeting my needs to I'm responsible. It, it's a mm-hmm. radical shift for a lot of men. It, it sure, sure was for me, but that, that is a game changer. Once you accept that, which could take some time, you'll be so much happier, mm-hmm. so much more confident, so much more in control. And I think, you know, you, you were also getting at, you know, the need for uh, connections and male friendships. You know, we're all big on men's groups as a part of mm-hmm. being nice guy coaches. Like th- this is something where men often aren't doing enough or we're not taught to do this for ourselves is just creating plenty of close male friendships or, or mentorships or relationships, those relationships that are going to nurture you. You know, we, we used to be in, in tribes, uh, back in the day where we'd have, uh, different kinds of men available to, to nurture us and teach us and teach us to be masterful. And Mm -hmm. now we're expected to just get that from one father. Mm-hmm. Um, and even even if they're a great father, they might not provide that. Yeah, or they're you know they're they're busy. You know they're they're out in the world trying to you know make money and provide you know food, shelter, and all that kind kind of things. And so, yeah. But yeah, to your point too of the you know the tribal times. One of the things I think we're missing in our culture is the you know a rite of passage for for men. You know, in tribal times, there is this, uh, you know, as a child, you are needy. You depend on everybody around you, right? But because we don't really have a formal rite of passage, we grow up, you know, we're just boys in men's bodies oftentimes. You know, we just expect everyone to meet our needs just like they did when I was a kid. But when there's the shift, you know, that mental shift of like, okay, today you're a man, which means you are responsible for making meeting your own needs at this point forward. And, um, 
I think that that's just missing in the, you know, the way that we live today. And something I would like to see back, come back, especially for young men is a, is a formal rite of passage for, uh, from boys so that they can know that they're men. Um, are we going to do yes. that? Are we, are we going to provide that for people? You know, that would be one of my dreams at some point, you know, is to have that. I, I did my whole, you know, I did my, my thesis on male rite of passage. I didn't and, know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, why, why it's important. And, um, it's something that I've wanted to do. Uh, I've been through any, you know, my own formal rite of passage with a, with a men's group. Um, and that was really helpful for me. So I, I would like to see that happen at some point somehow that we're doing rites of passages for, for men. We've got integration and, and for, nation for, now. Yeah. 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 For those of you that don't know about integration nation, we'll put a link in the description. Ari and I are part of integration nation, which is, uh, Dr. Robert Glover's integration nation. Dr. Robert Glover obviously wrote no more Mr. Nice guy. And it's an online community of, uh, guys. And we are striving to make it the, the largest online community of men who can support each other, um, and it's, uh, you know, it's a new startup that we've done that, that, you know, it's been out for a couple of months now. Membership is growing. If you're interested in that, um, just go to integrationnation.net. And again, we'll put a link in the description. Um, and actually the, uh, the, the next cohort of people that's available, um, starts real soon where you can sign up and be part of that. So check it out, man. We got to get better at promoting that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So nice guys. Faisal, nice guys hate self-promotion. <laughs> that, that will be another episode is yeah. self-promotion. Yeah. yeah. Bragging, talking about Bragging. accomplishments. The sacred brag. Yeah. Yeah. So Faisal is also an integration nation. Yes, Faisal is also there. And we each run a group um, there. So if you're interested in working with us more directly at Integration Nation, uh, Ari runs a group. What, what days are your groups? Mine is uh, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Uh, Central time. Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central. And mine is Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And I, I think Faisal's on Tuesday, but I don't know what the time is. It's like Tuesday morning for people in the yeah. States. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, you know, in terms of coping with neediness or doing something different about it, you know, we have a tribe or brotherhood call every night at Integration Nation. So yeah. this is this is a positive thing you can do if you're feeling needy, if you're feeling hungry for connection, mm -hmm. uh, especially with other men. This is this is a good way to do it, and you can you can yeah. even process it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, what are we going to talk about next time? Next time, I think uh, we've we've killed neediness. Um, I think we're going to kill addictions next time. Addictions, excellent. Addicted to what, in particular? Anything? Well, is is there something about the nice guy 
that tends to create addictions? Well, I think uh, the nice guy is oftentimes addicted to comfort. Okay. You know, um, and so I think oftentimes like the central, the central. Yeah, I think, yeah, we're addicted. To, we're addicted to comfort. We're addicted to pleasure. And that oftentimes when we're addicted, you know, those, those addictions, whether it's alcohol, gambling, shopping, sex, drugs, whatever it is, it's all about trying to find comfort. And, uh, and so I think ultimately nice guys, people in general are addicted to comfort. And, and so, you know, maybe we'll, we'll focus on that. We'll focus on some other addictive aspects of the nice guy. But one of the things that I've learned and Dr. Glover makes clear in no more Mr. Nice guy is that nice guys struggle with addiction and have kind of that addictive personality oftentimes. So let's talk about okay. that. I like this. And the whole, uh, comfort versus challenge that mm -hmm. nice guys struggle with. Yep. Yep. This is, yep. This is a Good. favorite topic. Good. Yeah. Right. And Faisal should be back with us next week if he makes it back safely and doesn't, you know, wreck the yacht out in the. <laughs> I don't know where he's at. Do you know where he is? I, I don't know. I don't know. It looked tropical. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, well, thank you for listening, uh, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We, we appreciate it. Make sure you comment, subscribe, like. We'll see you next week on The Nice Guy Show. You've been listening to The Nice Guy Show, the podcast that helps nice guys move past their insecurities and fears into the fullness of their masculine strength and confidence. Be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and check out the website, niceguyshow.com, for more information on how to connect with Chuck and Faisal. Until next time, keep living your best life.